I know for certain that some of you watched Monday Night Football this past week. If you caught the introduction to that, you heard Aloe Black sing Lionel Richie's old song, All Night Long. Some of you know the words to that song. Well, my friends, the time has come to raise the roof and have some fun. Throw away the work to be done. Let the music play on. We're, we're going to party, karamu, fiesta, forever. The football game's going to be a party. It's going to be a lot of fun. You could just as easily play that song at a wedding reception, and many have, because that's how wedding receptions are, right? No one's worried about work. It's a party. It's a party you want to go on and on and on. There's a story about a gracious king who invited a, a lot of people, all kinds of people, to join him at a wedding banquet that he was hosting. What an honor to enjoy an elaborate meal and celebration with the king and his son. Jesus is the one telling the story, so uh, you probably know where he's going with this. Well, maybe. What at first might seem to be an easy parable to understand actually has some tricky parts in it. God, in his grace, invites all people to believe in his Son as their Savior. There it is. That's what Jesus' story is about. And he has in mind for us to, to learn a number of things from this story. So instead of working our way through the parable and then discovering what the point of it is, like we might often do, uh, let's do it this way today. Know up front that this story is about God, the King, extending a gracious invitation to all people to experience the joy of salvation that comes only by faith in his Son, Jesus. This is a story that really requires us to know what was going on at the time Jesus told it and who he told it to. This was not on just any old Jerusalem Tuesday that Jesus told parables to the religious leaders of every kind. No, this was Tuesday of Holy Week. And there was a parade of those leaders chief priests, teachers of the law, elders of the people, Pharisees, Herodians, Sadducees, all of them came to Jesus with questions that day, and he responded to them all. He preached, he taught, he told stories, he spoke to the men who had been planning and plotting his death and were doing so at that very moment. Jesus, of course, knew all of this was coming, and he could look right into their stony hearts. If we didn't know this, it would be hard to fully appreciate why Jesus told this parable. But now that we do know that, we might ask ourselves the question, why waste time and energy on these people? Well, it wasn't a waste. There is sharp law and indictment here in his words, but Jesus was not simply condemning them. He was offering them a last chance for them to, to listen this time, to see him for who he was, to accept God's invitation 
to trust in him. The loving heart of Jesus that was propelling him to the cross was moving him uh, to want all of these people to be saved too. And so he tells them a story. If we didn't know all of that, we might not understand that the first people invited to the, by, <clears throat> by the king to the wedding banquet represent the Jewish people who rejected God's invitation to accept Jesus as the Messiah. Now this makes more sense. The king sent out servants to summon those who were invited to the wedding banquet, but they did not want to come. God chose the Jewish, Jewish people to be his people, uh, to be the people through whose family tree the, the Savior would come, to be the, the keeper, uh, keepers of the promise uh, until finally the Savior did come. The first invited to the party. When Jesus came, God sent John the Baptist uh, to these very people listening to Jesus' story, and John tried to focus their spiritual attention just on Jesus. The Messiah God had promised for so long, the, the Messiah that they were looking forward to. The Lord sending John, John the Baptist, to them was like the king sending servants with an invitation for people to come and celebrate with his son. Sadly, the Jews reject, rejected John the Baptist's efforts to, to have them come and see the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. They are those in the story who did not want to come to celebrate with the Son. So the king sent more servants to tell them that the time had come to celebrate. Cue up Lionel Richie's all night long. Everything was ready. The celebration was prepared. Food was on the table. It was time. How many times had the Jewish leaders seen Jesus perform miracles? Times had they heard him preach and teach about salvation through him? How often had they questioned him and, and listened to him try to explain to them that he really was God's son? So many chances to accept the invitation to trust in him. But they disregarded the invitation. They had other more important things that they were concerned with. They weren't interested in the things of God. They were disinterested in the Son. They were interested in themselves and their things. Jesus' story pictures it like this. Those who were invited paid no attention and went off, one to his own farm, another to his business. And then some of them did something even worse. Can you even imagine someone giving their RSVP uh, to a wedding reception by killing the people that came to invite them? That's insane. You might wonder why that's even in the story. Who would do that? It's crazy. Call it crazy? Call it insane? The Bible has a, a word for that kind of rejection of God. The Bible calls it foolishness. Foolish doesn't sound quite as harsh, but let me assure you, you do not want to be a spiritual fool, someone who opposes or rejects God. Spiritual foolishness leads to death in hell. As crazy or as foolish as it sounds that, that those invited would kill the messengers, it really is crazy to reject a gracious, the gracious God's invitation to trust in his son for forgiveness and eternal life. 
God offers it for free. There's nothing that a person has to do. The invitation is simply to believe and be saved. Why would a person turn that down? It's crazy. Those who opposed Jesus and helped to get him killed just three days later are those in Jesus' story whom the king had killed and whose town he burned down. It seems there might be a bit of prophecy in Jesus' story. Less than 40 years after this, the Romans killed so many people in and around Jerusalem. They burned the temple to the ground and they destroyed the city. On a trip to Rome today, you can see image, uh, images of this in the Arch of Titus. It's still there. It was built in 81 AD, just 10 years after this. Jesus' story says that the king sent servants again. This time out into the streets to find whoever they could and invite them to the wedding banquet. It didn't matter whether people saw them as good people or bad people. What mattered is the king considered them worthy. The king considered them worthy to receive an invitation to come to the, to the wedding banquet, to be part of the celebration. The invitation to see in Jesus the, the answer to sin and guilt and shame, to see in him forgiveness and life after death with God went out to all of the people who were not Jews too. The Jews were the first to know about a Savior from God, but but other people knew it too. They weren't the only ones. God's invitation to salvation in his son has always been for everyone. The world's crossroads are full of all kinds of people, and they are all still invited to the wedding banquet of salvation in Jesus. All are invited to accept the invitation to become children of God by faith in Jesus. It's so nice to know, isn't it, that, that God's gracious invitation goes out to every single person? But it's hard to see people reject it, isn't it? You likely know some people like that in your life. I know a number of those people. It's sad to know that there were people who rejected Jesus when they came face to face with him while he was in this world. It's sad to know that there are still people doing that. Jesus' judgment on those who reject him is a warning for us. We want to be sure that we are never become disinterested in Jesus because we're more interested in our farms and businesses, uh, to use the story's imagery. How close are we to doing that? like shifting uh, our emphasis from, and our focus from Jesus to the things in our life. Pick your subject, but maybe it's in the raising of your children. You know, where does children's Bible hour on a Sunday morning uh, rank in the family's priorities? Or, you know, regular worship on Sundays? Dinnertime prayers, prayers at bedtime? Do we value our worship, or is it really not as interesting as other things that we could fill our Sunday with? Does it happen to you students that sometimes you're just you know, so focused on campus life that Jesus kind of gets pushed to the edge of the picture? Do we somehow miss that our offerings to God 
are one of the ways that the message of salvation gets out to the crossroads so that, that people can be invited to come to the wedding banquet? Do we go about our days only interested in our lives? Instead of thinking about how to build a bridge to someone that we know who doesn't have faith so that we can share the Savior with them? There's a lot of stuff we could talk about. But the point is, are we slipping into a self-focused life at the expense of our relationship with our Savior? So you don't have to be violent against the king and his son and his servants to be under the wrath of God. The disinterested find themselves in that same spot. We should pay attention to Jesus' story for ourselves, not, not just see it as an indictment upon those who were about ready to kill him. Jesus told the story to give them yet another chance to accept the invitation to trust in him. He gives us the story so that we can remain with him. Besides seeing people <clears throat> reject Jesus, you know what else is hard to take? Knowing that some people in church are faking faith right in front of you. You wouldn't know who they are because you can't read hearts. But God tells us it happens. Just as the king in the story knew that that man didn't belong at the wedding, God knows those who mingle with Christians but are not clothed with the robes of righteousness, uh, with Christ's robes of righteousness, uh, because they don't have faith. And when the king and that person come face to face on the last day, that person will be thrown into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In a lot of ways, this is kind of a rough parable, isn't it? It's a Tuesday morning of Holy Week parable told to people who are on the brink of destruction in order to give them one last The warnings to them about being disinterested in Jesus or uh, rebellious against God or being a hypocrite, those warnings are for us too. But you know what? Jesus tells us this story out of love for us. He wants us to be with him now and for eternity, which he also pictures as a wedding feast. We heard it in Isaiah today and we think we sang about it in some hymns too. He warns us so that our relationship with him will not be threatened. He tells us so that if we, if we realize today that, yeah, we've become a little disinterested in Jesus lately, that we might repent of our sins and find forgiveness through him. He tells us so that if any of us here this morning are just putting on a show, we're not really interested in our life after death or Jesus as our Savior, not dressed for the occasion, so to speak, we might think again about that. Three days before his death in Israel's holy city, Jesus was still reaching out in an effort to save the lost. And he was going to the cross for them just as much as he was going there for you and me. And any of the people that listened to him that day and repented and found... Uh, and it found, sac found in his sacrifice forgiveness for themselves, and they found in his resurrection at the end of the week 
eternal life as well. This is true for us too. We have received the king's gracious invitation. Don't treat it foolishly, but gladly accept it. Amen.